Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. Today, I would like to talk to you um, more in depth about the topic of boundaries. I started this discussion with an episode back in August of last year, but since that time, I have actually created some content for a group coaching course that I lead, and I thought it would be beneficial to come here and just kind of give you a summary of what we discuss in our boundaries group coaching. And hopefully as you listen, there will be things that will be like, oh yeah, and a light bulb may go on here or there. And then if you want to dig deeper into this with a group, a small group of ladies who are learning and growing and healing together, I invite you to um, join us. This is on a rotation. About the time that one group finishes up, I start another group. It seems to be um, a great need in our community for learning how to set and hold or maintain boundaries. So the disclaimer is that, yeah, I don't know it all and I don't do it all. This is a journey. This is a process. This is um, growing and healing. Um, One day I may do amazing with a boundary and the next day I may just completely flop. So I just say that right out of the gate. Um, As with most things, this is ever evolving, ever growing, ever changing, an opportunity to learn, to grow, to heal every single day. So these are just some of the things I have learned along the way. No, I'm not basing this on the book. I haven't actually even read the book called Boundaries. Isn't that funny? So all of this has just come from my own experience, my own walk and um, just nuggets that I have picked up here and there from different people. So it is really important to um, set goals for ourselves that are attainable. And there is an acronym, and I always forget to write this down before I come on. So let's see if I can remember this. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time realistic and time sensitive. I think that's what S-M-A-R-T, I think that's what it stands for. So when you set a goal, don't make it so huge that, you know, I'm going to go to the moon tomorrow. Hello, who's going to do that? But make it something that does push you a little bit and and pushes you out of your comfort zone, but it still needs to be realistic. It needs to be uh, measurable. It needs to have a time limit on it. And as we go through our boundaries, we do that. We each set a goal that we want to work on for our six weeks together. And at the end of that time, we kind of just, it's amazing to see the progress that people make. And we do check in with each other every single week. So in week one, we come with this truth. I set boundaries to respect myself and to honor my healing. So that may be a shift. Maybe when you think about boundaries, you think about a brick wall that goes up between you and anything that you don't want to deal with. And so I think there are different types of boundaries and there are different... um, seasons. There are different measures that are needed at different points in our lives. So you can have just one of those rickety construction fences that just kind of is there to say, hey, you know, here's a fence. Here's a boundary. Don't cross over it. You can have a cute little white picket fence. You can have a taller white, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The vinyl, the vinyl fencing. You can have a barbed wire fence that has sharp, jagged edges at the top of it, you know, because you want to keep predators out. Or at times, a boundary may be a brick wall. It may need to be a brick wall. It really depends on how people receive our boundaries. And that determines what type of a structure needs to be put in place. So 
And we're not saying that just because you set a boundary that it's there forever. It may only be for a season. If someone respects your boundary and they are willing to honor you and the boundary you've set, then in time, maybe that boundary can be loosened up a bit. But if they push back and they don't honor it and they further harm you, then that's where we need to take more um, permanent and desperate measures. So I set boundaries to respect myself and to honor my healing. It's more about me right now than it is punishing you. A boundary can be a consequence to poor actions, of course, of course, of course. But this is more about, you know what, I'm on a journey. I am recovering from decades of trauma, decades of abuse, and I need to make sure the space around me right now, the areas that I do have control over, I need to make sure that space is safe. So if I am still living in the midst of a situation that's abusive, then I need to make sure my work environment's safe. I need to make sure my friendships are safe. I need to make sure my faith community relationships are safe. If I have to deal with a toxic person at work and I don't have the option right now to get a different job, then when I walk away from work and I walk away from that person, then I need to know that home is going to be safe and my friends and my family are going to be safe. And if not, then that's where we start to evaluate. We start to process are these people here to um, honor me, to protect me and keep me safe. Are these people here to hurt me? And once you've been hurt and hurt and hurt, you get to a place where you are done and you're like, I need to heal. And in order to heal, I need an environment that is safe to do so. So I go back to um, the flesh wound analogy. I have shared this before and it is, I believe, a very effective analogy, if a bit graphic. But I I think about mosquito bites. When I get mosquito bites, um, I usually um, scratch at them until they bleed. It's really gross. It's really dumb. But I do that. So let's say that one of those bites gets infected, okay, and it begins to take over, you know, and spread throughout my, my leg or my arm. And trauma, abuse, is like taking a stick and jabbing at that flesh wound over and over and over again. And as long as we remain in an environment where that stick is, that jagged, nasty, gnarly, dirty stick is going into our flesh and keeping that wound from healing it, further infecting it, further doing further harm, it's not going to heal. So a boundary is saying, you know what, I'm going to take that stick, I'm going to throw it away, and I'm going to remove myself from the environment that is constantly hurting me, jabbing me, jabbing me, jabbing me. So just think about that when you're thinking about boundaries. If you start to get resistance um, and kick back, you're going to. You're going to. If you have been the person who has always said yes and always um, done what people have said to do, and when they say jump, you say how high. When you start to um, set a boundary, hold a boundary, you're going to get kicked back. You're going to get resistance, but do not despair. Just keep going. Your safety is of utmost importance. So I encourage the ladies in my group to practice boundary setting with safer people. So if you still live with your abuser, I do not recommend doing this because an abuser who gets pushed back, if you're still living with them, could put you in great harm. So please, please hear me when I say that your safety is very important to me. So I would say practice with someone who is a friend, a family member, a coworker, and say something along the lines of, hey, I really don't say no to people. (laughs) Would you be willing to let me practice on you? Would you be willing to be the first person in my life that I say no to? And then as you begin to practice this, 
with someone who is safe. It will give you confidence. It will give you skills to practice it with other people. And then once you are removed and let's say a separation or a divorce occurs and you um, have to then find the balance of communicating about kids or finances or court or legal matters, then you can learn to set some boundaries there. But while you are still living full-fledged with your abuser, please, please be careful. All right, week two, we talk about, I have a limited amount of time, energy, and resources each day. Um, Public service announcement, PSA, FYI, you are not God. I am not God. We only have 24 hours in a day, and many of us have very limited amounts of energy in a day. So we need to think about, prioritize, and look at each day and decide, hmm, do I really have the energy for that? Hmm, do I really have the time for that? And then we start to ask even more questions, which we'll talk about in the next section, I think. Or is that here? I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, there are some um, pointers for when we do say yes that I will get to during another point. But we need to think about what we have when we wake up each day. And this is where I introduce the spoon theory. And if you have not... Um, research that. Just do a Google search, um, a DuckDuckGo search, and find out more about the spoon theory. This is really helpful for anyone who has had um, or is dealing with chronic illness, um, mental illness, ongoing trauma, and recovery from. And it basically teaches you to measure your energy in units like spoons. And so if I hand a spoon to one activity, um, Maybe that's going to a doctor's appointment, okay? If I hand my spoon to that in any given day, I don't have that spoon to give to someone somewhere else. If you wake up with 10 spoons and you use them all by noon, you're out of spoons. And then basically what you're doing is you're starting to take from tomorrow and you start tomorrow at a deficit. So this is just a really good um, visual for people to think about, okay, if I am currently not well in my body, and I get up in the morning and take a shower, that's going to take a spoon. If I make my bed, that's going to take another spoon. Okay, so let's say I have 10 spoons and I've already used up two. All right, so I'm gonna make a meal for the kids before they set out to school. That could be a couple spoons. If you have to go to work, depending on the environment you're in and depending on the type of job that you have, that could require a lot of spoons. So feasibly, realistically, what do you have left? So this begins to help us shift in our minds from, oh, I'm just going to say yes to this and this and this and this and this to, oh my goodness, I am a human being. I am recovering from horrendous things that should have taken me out. I'm alive. I'm going to celebrate that. And now I am going to honor myself and my healing by setting boundaries and giving myself space and grace to heal. Self-care is not selfish. We talk about that a lot in our group. And I did a whole podcast on self-care. We talk about healthy habits. I've also done a whole podcast on that, but I'm just going to remind you quickly. Getting proper sleep at night, six to eight hours. Having some sort of downtime during the day if you, if you are able to do that, to rest, to breathe, to get outside and get the sun on your skin, to get some fresh air if you're sitting inside a building that has recycled air. Eating nourishing foods, drinking purified water, taking your supplements, 
being outside for at least 10 minutes. I, I try to be outside for several hours a day. Um, we had a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks of more spring-like cool temps and now we've just gone full-blown into summer and the mosquitoes are out so that really <laughs> messes with my ability to be outside and get fresh air and I am mad about it I will I will tell you watching the sunrise watching the sunset those are great great habits to get into um, setting and keeping your appointments so if you're going to do group coaching or if you're going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching or if you're going to do counseling if you're going to go to your MD and work on your supplements and a treatment plan set those appointments and keep them those are all healthy habits that you can practice that are also great for helping you set boundaries in week three we talk about this one i do not have to engage with unsafe people again maybe you have to still live with your abuser and if you do then it's really really important for you to make sure that other areas of your life are safe a place where you can just go and just feel yourself relaxing. If you are constantly tight and constantly tense and constantly on guard because your family is unhealthy, because your work environment is unhealthy, because your, your church is unhealthy, because your neighbors hmm, don't respect boundaries, like if you are constantly in that place, your body is always, always gonna be in fight, flight, freeze, fawn. You're gonna always have all your energy is going to that instead of just living and breathing. So when I say I do not have to engage with unsafe people, that may be limiting for you depending on your situation. But once you are out and once you are free of that abuser and once you, yeah, even if you have to um, share custody of kids or figure out finances, you don't have to engage beyond a certain point. And this is where jade and gray rock come in super super handy if you're not familiar with those um gray rock is just becoming super dull and super boring and not giving your abuser or an unhealthy person the benefit of seeing you be affected by them and jade when dealing with unsafe people do not justify your actions do not um why do i always do this j-a I don't know what A is. Do not defend yourself and do not explain. Why do I always forget one? Yeah, this is why Heather needs to have better notes when she starts a podcast. But here we are. So Jade and Gray Rock are super, super helpful. Also, if you're not super sure if someone is unsafe, please go back and listen to the podcast about the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. Because abuse is so much more than broken bones and bruises. And it's not just those things that we need to take a stand against. We need to take a stand against mental, verbal, emotional, psychological, spiritual, sexual, using kids and pets and property. There are so many ways that people can abuse us and try to hurt us. If they can't hurt us, then they'll try to go through our kids. If they can't hurt us, then they'll try to hurt our pets. Like there are just so many ways that evil and wicked people will try to harm us. And so it's really important to recognize those patterns and systems so that we do not fall prey. In week four, um, this is a really big one. I do not owe anyone an explanation. I'm going to say that again. I do not owe anyone an explanation. So if you are 
being asked to or told to or pressured to do things that you do not feel are within your spoon allotment, within your energy and your time availability. You don't have to, and you don't have to explain why. So we say no is an answer. And I know everybody's like, oh, no, 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 I can't just say no. I get it. I probably couldn't either. So a friend of mine introduced me to this option. I'm not available. And I really, really, really like I'm not available. Because that could mean I am taking a nap. I'm not available. That could mean I am in the middle of a life and death situation trying to help someone get to safety. I'm not available. We do not need to explain to anyone why we're not available. We can just simply say I'm not available. Other possible responses. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm sorry I can't make it. And then I like to combine these two. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm not available. I think to those of us who are a little bit more empathetic and uh, it's hard for us to say no to people, that feels softer and that feels more in alignment with who we are. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm not available. Um, If you are going somewhere but you need to set a limit on how long you stay. I plan to stop by but I can only stay for an hour. I have done this for many years with... um, holiday functions, etc., where I'm going into an environment that is less than ideal. It is not a safe place. I still want to go and be there for certain family members, and yet I know I'm going to have to encounter others that are not safe. And so saying, putting a time limit on it, making sure you're the person driving the car so that you can leave. I recently got myself into a situation where I did not drive myself, and half an hour in, I was regretting that. And I was like, I tell people all the time, drive yourself, drive yourself. And then I put myself in a situation where I didn't and I regretted it. So like I said, learning, learning, learning. Um, You can say to someone, I'm available for a phone call, but I can only chat for 15 minutes. So putting that limit that respects their time and your time. And then here is the one that I referred to earlier. I really love this. When I choose to say yes, I ask, does this align with my skill set, my passions, my time availability, and my health? Okay, if something doesn't align with most or all of those, it probably needs to be a no. The other thing I can add um, for those of you who are starting over, single mamas, survivors, you are working hard, you may have children you're taking care of. If it is not something that is going to earn income or specifically keep you and your kiddos alive, then maybe it needs to wait. So if it's not earning income, if it is not something that's life or death for you and your children, if it doesn't align with your skill set, your passions, your time availability, and your health, then the answer is no. And you can just say no and you can be free. I think about different volunteer jobs that I've done through the years. So probably for about 30 years, I averaged anywhere from five to 10 hours a week in volunteering. A lot, a lot. Church, youth ministries, worship ministry, um, the pregnancy center, different things like that, okay? And then when the time came and I could no longer volunteer, I always felt really, really guilty. But here is another way to reframe that. Thank yourself for the time that you did give already. Rather than beat yourself up because you have come to a point where you can no longer serve in that capacity, thank yourself for the months, the weeks, or the years and the hours that you have already invested. So that would look like this. Heather, you served for four years in that capacity, several hours a week, 
and you met with women and you listened to their stories and you touched their lives and their hearts. Thank you for serving. Even if nobody else thanks you, even if they make you feel guilty that you can no longer serve in that capacity, thank yourself because you gave of your time and you gave of your service and your giftings. And just because you did it for a season does not mean you can do it for the rest of your life. So I think sometimes people don't even want to volunteer because they they don't know how they're going to stop. So it's probably a great idea to say, to the best of my ability and what I know right now, I can volunteer for the next X amount of weeks or X amount of months, and then we'll reevaluate. If something comes up and my health declines or my kids need me, then I won't even be able to work out that commitment and then move from that point. But don't guilt yourself. There came a point where I could only lay on my couch because I was so sick and I had to give up three different volunteer ministries that I was a part of at the time and I felt guilty. I did feel guilty, but my body just wasn't working. I couldn't even be there for my own kiddos. So how in the world should I have expected myself to show up for others? Um, You learn a lot about people when they don't get what they want. So that's just a thing. And even if you say no and they get angry, it doesn't mean that you should have said yes. And we discuss a lot in the group about low and no contact, um, how it can fluctuate. You may be no contact now, but if they respect your boundary, you can go low. But if they don't, then you're back to no. So that can kind of be an ebb and a flow. We talk about social media and how the delete and the block buttons are your friend. And I sometimes when I post something that I think is going to make people mad, usually abusive people mad I will say if your comments are not honoring to survivors I will delete them I do not have energy and I do not have time to defend abusers or to defend my stance against abuse like if you don't like my posts you don't have to read them you can scroll by you can unfollow me I say please don't unfriend me because I I love you you're my friend I'd love to be in relationship with you But if my posts really bother you that much, just keep on going because I'm not going to stop speaking out against abuse. I am not going to stop being there for survivors and putting out posts that are validating and honoring to them. So if you are someone who is bothered by how strongly I speak against abuse, if you are someone who's bothered by how strongly I speak specifically against spiritual abuse, just keep scrolling because I'm not going to stop talking about it. So if someone comes on and calls me, um, I'm trying to think of what I was called this week. I was called, I was told that my message was witchcraft and I was told that I was in danger of hellfire because I was speaking out against abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So those people, I delete their comments and I block them. Like they're total strangers. Um, they are not going to get, they're not going to get any more than that couple of seconds that I took to read their post. They are not going to get any more of my time or my energy. It's just not what I'm here for. In week five, we talk about rest and how it is necessary to sustain life and good health. And for every person, rest is going to look different. What is restful and refilling and refueling for one person may not be for someone else. So maybe you are someone who loves to get out and hike and be in nature For me, I don't have the physical energy or capacity to do that. So that would not be restful. That would lay me flat on my back for the rest of the week. Some of you love to paint and draw and use your art. Go for it. Some of you like to throw down a big old pile of clay on a potter's wheel and create 
a beautiful piece of pottery. Have at it. For me, rest and recovery and refuel is physical horizontal rest. It is watching something funny and laughing. It is watching the sunrise and the sunset. It is listening to podcasts that um, just help me to relearn and retrain the way that I think and help me to heal. It's also spending time with my safe people and there are a couple elements that I really love. If I can be with my kids, biological or bonus kids, and there is nature involved, a river, um, a fire pit, <laughs> some guitars and singing and some music together. Like all of those things are like my happy place. Those things make me happy. I love to eat good food. I do not like to cook it. So for me, rest would be someone else making something for me and me being able to partake without the work and the effort that goes into cooking. So some of you get refueled and energized by cooking. Not me, not me. So we define what rest is and what it's not. And we also talk about the importance of learning how to rest mentally, emotionally, spiritually, not just physically. So I think that I really have the physical rest thing down pat. Started learning this, really learning this about 20 years ago. And then when I got sick six and a half years ago, I was forced to learn about physical rest. But I am still learning and growing every day about what it means to rest mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And then in week six, we discuss this very important topic. I am accountable to God above all others. So we have been for so very long, if you are coming out of abuse, we have been told what to do, how to think, when to speak, if to speak. We have been told what we could spend money on We've been controlled. We've been controlled. And so once we are to a place of safety and freedom and we are beginning to rebuild our lives, all of a sudden this light goes on that the only one that we're really truly accountable for at the end of the day, at the end of our life is God. He sees all. He knows all. He hears all. He knows our hearts, our motives, our thoughts. And I say he's the only one that's a boss of me, but he's not really the boss of me because he gives us free will. So he's not a bo the boss of me in that he is um, telling me what to do and making me enforcing his, his will upon me. So if you have anybody else right now in your life who thinks they're the boss of you, I challenge you to really start looking at some boundaries. If you have a friend that demands that you respond within X amount of minutes or seconds when you send a, a text message, if you have someone who maybe on messenger they can you can see they can see that you read something they sent and if you don't respond within a certain amount of time they get really upset at you if you have family members that require you to be at certain events certain functions or there's a price to pay um, if you have a boss that maybe um, expects you to work beyond your work day your work week or clock out and continue working like they're just some really unhealthy and toxic relationships that we can get into and when we give people an inch they will often take a mile so at the end of the day I am accountable to God above all others and if you're in a situation right now where maybe you have been a part of a church and they dictate to you they tell you how often you need to be there they tell you how much money you need to put in the offering they guilt you or shame you if you don't put X amount in the offering, 
Um, I just encourage you to set some boundaries and start thinking about your time. I spent so much time when my kids were little at meetings that they did not bear any fruit whatsoever. No fruit, no fruit. Um, it was kind of like, I called it spiritual FOMO that if you missed out, you were going to be like less than in God's eyes, less than in the eyes of the church. And even though I was a stay at home mom, I was gone a lot of evenings and I miss tucking my babies into bed and I miss bedtime stories and bedtime prayers and the things that are just really dear and just precious. And I regret that. And it was just meetings about meetings about meetings. It was not anything that brought about, brought about good fruit in my life. I was just constantly worried that if I missed something that I would be overlooked for, I don't know what I was trying to find. I was just trying constantly to earn a place and have value and have worth in the eyes of these leaders. And there wasn't, there just wasn't anything I could do. They did not see me as having value and worth. So being at meetings three or four times a week, wasn't going to get me any closer to being enough in their eyes. And so if you still find yourself kind of in that rat race where you're expected to be at meetings constantly and it's not really producing good fruit in your lives and it's just adding stress, um, take a long, hard look at that. The one you're accountable to is God. And so many people allow other people to be the boss of them instead of God. And his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And what he calls us to, he, he then equips us for. So, so often we are like running ourselves into the ground, trying to do things that he never asked us to do. And so we are just burning the candle at both ends. So those are just some of the boundaries that we discuss. We do some practical application of setting um, goals for ourselves together. We check in about healthy habits. We check in about spoons we um, do a little bit of like troubleshooting. Like if a lady in the group has a situation that comes up, um, she might want to come to the group and be like, okay, I had this happen. And then help, help her work through that. If I don't necessarily have a suggestion or an answer, I will go back to one of my mentors or one of my therapists. And we, we had a really good situation where this happened, one of our last sessions. And it was just amazing what came out of that. And then she asked, I asked her for permission to share generally anonymously in the group so that the whole Held and Healed group and community could learn from her experience. So it was just a really precious learning experience. Sometimes we just need verbiage. Um, and then once you've completed your six weeks in the group, then I add you into an alumni group where I continue to put content. So every time that I read or I think about another point with boundaries, I will add it into that group. So you'll just constantly be getting information about boundaries even after the six weeks is up. So um, yeah, I just wanted to share those things with you today because they're very much on my heart. And if you would like to jump into our next round, just go to my Facebook page, heatherelizabeth.org, click on Boundaries Group Coaching, and it will give you the start date for our next group. So you can jump in. And since they are on a six-week rotation, if you come in um, and we're a couple weeks in, then it should only be a couple weeks till the next one starts. And I just want to keep these on a constant rotation. <sighs> yes, we all need boundaries. We set boundaries to honor ourselves, to respect ourselves, to honor our healing. Do you need a little flimsy construction fence today or do you need a solid brick wall? It will really depend upon your situation. 
and whether or not people are respecting your boundaries. But know that you are a precious, a valuable, worthy being, that you do not have to be anyone's doormat. You do not have to be anyone's emotional, this is kind of gross, but I call it the emotional or verbal puke bucket. You do not have to be the recipient of that from unhappy, unhealthy, toxic people. Maybe you have been most of your life and you're like, yeah, it's just the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. No, today you can say enough is enough. And you can start to speak uh, value and honor over yourself even when others are choosing not to. And that's a beautiful thing. So please join us, ladies. We would love to have you. And I just hope and pray that this has encouraged your heart today. And I pray that you will feel held even as you are being healed.